Chapter Three of Stephen Mitchell's Journey by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three: More Than He Bargained For. So thinking, he held up his head and gave most decided orders to Dahl and Dobbin to go on fast. To the best of their energies, they obeyed. At least, they went according to their own ideas of fast but the speed was not too great to allow Stephen a chance to give furtive glances at the piazzas as he passed, and at the people who passed him. A good deal to his surprise, he seemed to attract no attention whatever. Most of the groups were busy with their books, or with one another, and seldom even glanced his way, or, if they did, turned their eyes at once, as if he were not of sufficient importance to arrest their attention." Nobody laughed, so far as he could discover, and two or three men, as they passed, actually nodded in a friendly way. After this experience, it almost seemed to Stephen as if the reddish-brown hair on the top of his head stood up. Strangers bowing to him! Gentlemen dressed better than the minister! Dressed enough sight better than that jackanapes at the store! He muttered to his astonished self no courteous recognition from strangers had ever before been given to stephen mitchell it gave him such a sensation as only a shy and heretofore utterly neglected country boy or one who has some time in his life occupied that position can understand mr baker was not at home would not be until the two o'clock boat came in that was the earliest hour in which stephen could hope to see him and it was now eleven. Three hours to wait. He was not so appalled as he would have been on his first entrance within the gate. The people he had seen on every side, during that brisk drive through the grounds, had roused within him a strong desire to discover what was going on, or, as he phrased it to himself, what all these people were about, what this thing was anyhow. It was a great point with him that, so far, his appearance had not awakened a laugh. If the truth must be told, poor Stephen dreaded a laugh worse than he dreaded a pistol shot, a great deal. Perhaps they were too busy to laugh at him, or to notice him in any way. He would find a nice place for his horses, give them their dinner, and then saunter around and see what there was to be seen." what companies of girls there were to look at. If Sarah Jane were here, he muttered, she could find out ways enough to pucker her clothes over to last her into next summer. She would be taking the tablecloth to make a rig like that white one. It is funny, that's a fact. I'd just like Fanny Bascom to see it. I wonder if the Bascoms come here. If I should meet them, I should sink into the ground." He looked about him immediately, in a frightened way, with a longing desire to be outside the gates, safe in the road again. Anything but to meet the Bascoms. However, they were nowhere to be seen, nor was any other human being that he had ever seen before. And Stephen, having settled his horses, began a stroll through the grounds. He came presently to an immense semicircular building, or rather, roof supported on pillars and filled with seats which descended the hill in regular terraces 
he stopped before it in amazement it ain't a tent he soliloquized and it can't be a circus you can peek in all around and there ain't any ring either there couldn't any ponies perform around there but maybe they don't use ponies now and maybe they don't shut up the sides any more i don't know as they use tents things keep changing the sentence closed with a sigh as he realized his ignorance stephen mitchell had not even been to a circus for the space of four years the first reason being that their circumstances were growing more and more straitened so that the necessary half dollars required for even so mild a form of dissipation as this were difficult to secure and the second reason lay in the fact that stephen had discovered the fashion of the country to be for the boys to invite the girls and pay their way of course and take care of them during an evening at the circus his heart had almost ceased to beat at the thought of such a thing he might compass paying for the tickets he thought just for once in a season but as for taking care of a girl going after her and seeing her home again he could never do it never besides there wasn't anybody to take who would go with steve mitchell and as likely as not they would laugh at him for going alone since most all of them went with some girl he might take sarah jane just once but then there didn't none of them take their sisters maybe that was a thing to be laughed at too and stephen had resolved that he would stay at home so now for aught he knew this strange wooden building without sides and with many seats might be a new style of circus if so it was evidently popular the seats all down the terraces were filled only here and there a vacancy a man on the broad platform was talking rapidly while the eyes of all the multitude seemed to be leveled upon him he ain't no clown said stephen to himself stopping before one of the aisles with his hands in his pockets and forgetting even the crowd in his astonishment and desire to know what this thing was he ain't the manager of the thing neither and he ain't a preacher or anyhow he ain't preaching now there's no bible nor hymn-book nor nothing and then he turned suddenly for a neatly dressed man touched him on the shoulder and said respectfully but with a great deal of firmness you mustn't smoke here my friend it is against the rule and stephen very red-faced threw away his cigar which he had forgotten because it was second nature to smoke and stammered something to the effect that he didn't know the rules then seeing that the man was indifferent to his words so long as the cigar had been disposed of he put on a bold face and asked a question what do you have to pay to get in there pointing with his finger nothing said the man nothing is it a free show perfectly free sir after you are once inside the gates your gate ticket pays for all that goes on here during the day oh my said stephen does it though straightway his resolve was taken the people were all so busy looking at the man on the platform that they seemed to have no eyes for him he saw not the slightest inclination toward laughter in any direction he would take one of those empty seats and find out by his wits what this thing was 
and why they all wanted to listen to it down he went down the inclined plane as he had seen others do feeling every moment as though he were going to fall forward and strike on his nose but he didn't very red in the face and with the perspiration standing in drops upon his forehead he finally reached a seat got out a handkerchief much the worse for having been used for the same purpose many times during that august day and mopped his face and neck thoroughly then settled back prepared to listen he had never heard anyone speak in latin nor yet in greek had he done so he might perhaps have had a comparison by which to describe this speaker he knew however that there were other languages than his own and decided at first that this was one of them then he looked about upon the interested even absorbed audience they were not all foreigners on the contrary they were unmistakably americans most of them he was observing enough to be sure of that was it possible that they understood this unknown tongue was it possible that it was an unknown tongue did not he himself understand some of the words it's english he told himself thoughtfully after a few moments more of intense listening but it's high and mighty english i suppose them kinds that scholars speak mr ransom himself uses some of the words but he doesn't speak them so outrageous fast like an express train i wonder now if all these folks do understand him the feeling of curiosity with which stephen gazed about him began to deepen into respect almost into awe presently into a strange heart longing to be one of them to understand what that man was saying to like it as those folks evidently did if only he could it is the simple truth that then for the first time in his life stephen mitchell felt a longing to be other than he was he had not been satisfied with himself or at least had not been complacent over himself at any time but so far in his unfortunate life the idea that he might be different had never seemed to enter his mind it cannot be said that he had such an idea at this moment there was simply a vague stirring of impulses at his heart the only thought that took distinct form was the wish that he understood those words and could have the look of interest upon his face which the audience around him wore the next thought was a step in advance for it took almost the form of a resolve what if he should write down some of the words and try to find out what they meant how would he go to work to find out though he thought of his father and shook his head mr ransom perhaps they said he had rows and rows of books on his library shelves perhaps one of them told the meaning of words but how would he ever get speech with mr ransom he blushed violently at the thought of it if he only had a dictionary a big dictionary such as he saw one day on the counter of the village bookstore there were words enough in that pages and pages it made him dizzy to think of them yet it would certainly be interesting to know the meaning of some of them if i had had a dictionary thought stephen ruefully and had been studying it all them long winter evenings when i have not known what in life to do with myself 
maybe i might have known most of the words that he is pouring out now then oh my how i should feel i just believe i'll write em down just a few out of the crowd and see what will come of it it stands to reason that i might be able to get at the meaning of some of them somehow and it does seem kind of queer to have a lot of folks around you that all appear to know a thousand million things that you don't i believe i'll try for it as he glanced around him with a vague idea of finding something upon which to write fortune favored him or was it a watching overruling providence on the floor just at his feet lay a circular announcing the teachers and hours and terms of the music school it was a four-page affair and one page was almost blank stephen seized upon it picked up a forgotten textbook of some sort which lay beside him on the seat folded his paper got out the stub of a pencil with which he had calculated the prospective returns from the cabbages and potatoes and commenced business it was laborious work he was unused to writing and his orthography would have alarmed the speaker but as he wrote he grew interested it presently became his ambition to see how many of the words he could capture they were being poured out in such a magnificent flood that the very sound of them roused within him a strange recognition of power words became for the time being tangible things s'pose they was apples he inwardly chuckled and i was trying to catch them and his pencil fairly raced over the paper he was catching them a long row reaching to the very edge of the foolscap sheet a double row a third one and yet a fourth he was reaching the end his paper nearly exhausted his brain in a whirl of excitement not a single word that he had written did he understand some of them were names evidently from the connection names of persons of whom he had never heard in his life also there were names of places but where those places were located he knew no more than did the seat on which he sat yet he had been roused excited and absorbed for the first time in his life over words spoken from a public platform he began to regret deeply that he had no more paper the race after the apples being tossed hither and thither was growing every moment more exciting they had ceased however to be apples his awakening imagination had named every one of them silver dollars and in proportion as they grew in value his eagerness to secure them seemed to grow it is a hint as to the real nature of the boy that instead of stopping to exult over the quantity which he had secured his heart was beginning to sink heavy within him because the material with which to secure was exhausting itself suddenly the flow of words ceased all unexpectedly to stephen the speaker had rounded out his closing period almost immediately the audience burst into song the initiated knew that the gloria was being sung stephen did not he only knew that it was music such as that he had never heard before there was the roll of a great organ and the sound of many voices and the majesty of solemn yet jubilant words glory be to the father and to the son and to the holy ghost 
as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It seems surprising when one thinks of it, but it was a simple fact that Stephen Mitchell was listening to the Gloria for the first time, and the grandeur and power of the words settled themselves within his conscience never to be forgotten. Something had awakened within him, some power which he did not understand, but he felt, as he bowed his head with the multitude and listened to the words of benediction, that he, Stephen Mitchell, standing there, was in some mysterious way a different Stephen Mitchell from the one who had had much ado not to fall upon his face as he came down the incline. He clutched at the paper in his hand and muttered to his roused and inner self that he would find out what some of the words meant anyhow before he was many days older. Look at that fellow, a gentleman had whispered to his companion during the progress of the lecture. He sat only three seats behind Stephen, and had been watching him intently for some minutes. Look at that fellow, Myers. He is in the commonest farmer boy's attire. Nothing about him indicates intellect. Yet he has been writing steadily since he first took his seat. That is an illustration of what I was telling you. The common mind is being gotten hold of by these summer encampments. They are permeating the country, educating the ploughmen, who has heretofore done not much more thinking than have the clods he has turned over. Imagine a fellow dressed in that fashion, listening to a lecture like what we have had this morning, taking notes of it. I should like to see his notes. He is a grand illustration of the progress of the times. Let us go forward and shake hands with him. He has a good head said the other gentleman, as they moved slowly down among the surging mass, and stood presently close to Stephen's side. The first speaker laid his hand familiarly on the country boy's arm. "'How are you, my friend?' He held out his hand and grasped Stephen's rough red one in a cordial fashion. "'Glad to see you here. Grand lecture, was it not? I saw you taking notes. They are worth preserving, I am sure.' It would really be a liberal education for a young man to understand thoroughly such a lecture as that. Not a word had Stephen to say. He blushed to the roots of his hair. He opened his lips as if about to attempt a reply, but voice failed him altogether. The gentleman, noticing and pitying his intense embarrassment, added a few more kindly words and passed on. He is overwhelmed with confusion, poor fellow, one of them said. He thinks a great deal more than he knows how to express evidently. Never mind, men are made of such stuff as he. We may meet him on the lecture platform himself, yet. End of chapter 3